Hello and welcome to the Chronic Living Podcast, your need-to-know source for living with a chronic illness or disability. I'm your host, Alex Pappas, and I'll be sharing my experiences living with a chronic illness, as well as inviting others on to share their stories. So join me in shining a light on the world that is chronic living. All right, guys, thank you for joining me for another episode of Chronic Living. Today, I am joined by JC, and she's going to share some of her experiences being part of the chronic community. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me here. It's definitely a privilege being here. Um, where do I want to start? Do I just jump on in and start just sharing? Go right in. I mean, well, so how old are you? Start with that. Okay. I am 45 years young. I'll be 46 in August. Okay. And what have you been diagnosed with? If there's a list or if it's one particular thing. Um, well, I've had a few different things going on, um, with me. Um, I think it all really began in my personal opinion from the things that I've learned now, I'm a registered nurse and I'm also a, uh, life coach, but any information I share here is not based upon my own medical information. I'm sharing my story. So anybody has any questions about their health. They should always listen to their medical provider. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I, I, I am a registered nurse and I actually have not worked as a registered nurse since 2018. Um, I don't really know where to start, but I'll tell you the most recent. And that is that um, I was working as a nurse one day and I was caring for a patient and I went to grab him because his foot was hanging off the bed and sweep his foot around into the bed. And I called a patient's name and said, hey, I'm going to put your foot back in the bed because it was hanging out. He kicked against me. My body went one way. My head went another way. And I heard a pop. Um, So from that point on, we found out that after a lot of other complications, like meeting with doctors, like I found it very difficult um, because it was a workers' comp case. So I found it very difficult to, yeah, you get what I'm saying, to find doctors. (laughs) <laughs> whole bunch of extra steps involved yes uh-huh um and you're not really treated fairly you know in my opinion i wasn't treated fairly so well, yeah they they want to get an answer with the least amount of money spent possible so Th- that's exactly right <clears throat> so but in the end i had herniated discs in my neck and they didn't want to accept injury to my back but we also found out there's some herniated disc in my back so I have been living with chronic pain um, okay. and I've been living with, you know, just the, the effects of how the pain makes a person feel emotionally and mentally and physically and, and even socially and even spiritually, you know, and financially, I mean, <laughs> it's everything. just a total of me and all, yeah, everything, everything, right. every single thing, every I can't empathize. I cannot emphasize that enough that like chronic both pain and conditions affect every aspect of your life. Every, every aspect, because you have to involve it with everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it you affects, know, I mean, how it feels affects how you do it, you know, everything that you do. It does. Absolutely. Everything. Like you said, everything. So, um, I did try, so I was off of work in 2014 for a little while. Um, um, I think the injury was in July and I was off of work from like September to what well, it gave me a couple of weeks off and sent me back, try to put me on light duty. That was rough. So you, and, you had it since like 2014 timeframe roughly. Yeah. 
Okay. And, and honestly, there's more going on. But I think that what happened was the trauma that my body went through this time. And then in 2017, I was in a car accident. <laughs> so I think that the trauma that my body has went through is like... You're just getting all kinds of everything. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's flaring all other kinds of stuff up. Um, you know, so... Um, yeah, I um, went to some doctors for different things. They tried injections and wow, what they didn't tell me was that there is a percentage of people who get those injections that it doesn't work. And in those percentage of people, there's a percentage of those people that deal with even worse pain. And guess what? I was in that percentage. So after the injection, I had excruciating pain. On a scale of zero to 10, 100, like it just multiplied the pain um, for three days straight. And, and the saddest part about that, the doctors wouldn't even return my call when I was calling them and crying out to them for pain. And I'm just not one of those people who likes going to the emergency room with, with pain because once you are on a pain contract, which at the time, let's see, I was. So, you know, that means that you're being judged most likely. And I hate to say that, but it's the way that it is. Um, so what do you mean by pain contract? Um, well, when you become, uh, after you see your doctor for a while and they feel that the pain has went from acute to chronic, meaning that it's last over six, a six month period makes it chronic. Um, and they may have changed that now because of the opiate epidemic, but I know back then it. it was. And then I had to read a contract, sign it, agree to all of the things that's in the contract. Like, you know, you can't drink alcohol. You can't, I can't remember all the things, but it's a pretty detailed. And oh, they make contract. you sign like actual contracts. Yeah. Bef mm -hmm. Before what they'll keep like helping you. Prescribing you the medicine. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not mm -hmm. know that. Yeah, they do. And then they ask you to, um, come in every so often out of like the blue check up and do some a stuff. pill count mm -hmm. make sure and you're not okay for substance yep, and abuse also, and stuff yep 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 oh so, i didn't um, know that was a thing that's you didn't yeah no i did man. i mean <clears throat> with with my colitis it's it's been at the points where it was super painful like the first time mm -hmm. i was in the hospital but mm -hmm. i i refused any sort of morphine or any other like heavy duty prescription painkillers just because i know i have a very low level of self-control when it comes to like sugar and candy mm, just too. because they're enjoyable so i was not about to get on anything heavy duty and, and thankfully i have a higher pain tolerance so i was like well it's only going to go down from here if i'm already in the hospital so uh -huh. i've gotten to this point i'll be okay but i i didn't realize because everything that i've done has just been like uh from that point on, pretty much an infusion. So I just go to my doctor's office, get an infusion every six weeks of Remicade, and I'm good to go. Oh, that's awesome. So even though it's like, you know, I've had colitis forever and there's chronic pain involved with it, it was never like, hey, sign a contract because you're always hurting kind of thing. I didn't mm. know that was even a thing. Well, yeah. If they're going to be writing you prescription narcotics for a period of time, then make you sign an agreement. Uh, which saying that you won't use any other medications, you won't go to any other doctors and get any other pain medications. I don't know. Some contracts say you can't even go to the ER for pain. You have to call your doctor. 
So it's just really depends That's crazy. on. Mm-hmm. And they're that getting real much stricter with this uh, opiate epidemic. It's 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 really um, outrageous the way that they treat people who are having chronic pain and have legit reasons. Like if you go look on the MRI, you can see the disc. If you go look, you can see the broken bone. You know the still the crack in the bone. And whoever I'm just giving an example, and yet they're saying, "Hey, nah, take some Tylenol." You know. <laughs> yeah, because that. I mean, Tylenol dependency doesn't create issues either. And, right. I mean, Tylenol is not meant to treat broken bones. Yeah. Like a headache. Yeah. Right. You work a little too hard, you know. Yeah. You hit your foot yeah. against something, and you 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 slam your knee into the door or something. You got a fever. You yeah. Know? You got a yeah. You got yeah. a fever or something. It's uh-huh. like. Yeah. It's not meant for like broken things. Right. So it's getting pretty bad with that. And so I think that being in the the chronic pain industry, seeing what's going on in the industry of those who are really suffering, the suicide rate is going up tremendously for people who have chronic pain because of them not being treated. Mm -hmm. That was um, that was that was a big part of why I kind of wanted to start the podcast was the mental health side of it. Um, mm-hmm. so a couple of years ago, cause I'm in all the, all the colitis groups a couple of years ago, I think it was, oh, I can't remember the age. It was like a, I think he was like 11. It was like this 11 year old boy that had, I think it was colitis and had like a severe case of it. And they shared the article across all the different, um, groups. Cause there's a couple of different colitis groups and this little boy ended up committing suicide because of how he was treated by people because he had ulcerative colitis. Um, And it really bothered me that, you know, it's something so horrible to have to deal with and how people treat you on it. It's like, first off, people don't even understand how things feel like they, a normal person that's normally healthy can't even fathom the level of pain that you deal with, with different chronic illnesses and disabilities and chronic pain. Like the, the, the scale of it is just ridiculous. Um, and I use the example of the movie Alien all the time. Um, the director of Alien, Ridley Scott, actually changed the way that the alien came out of people because he had Crohn's disease and he changed it um, to mimic and try to express the level of pain that he would experience when his Crohn's was acting up so bad. Which I thought was an, an interesting fact because it's this extreme level of pain in a movie and that's, that's his representation of how it felt to have the disease, which I mean, having colitis being super bad, I've, I've definitely got to that level. And mm-hmm. with all these people feeling all this stuff and everybody putting us kind of in this box of how we need to act and behave, even though we're dealing with all this pain and changes in our lives, because it affects everything. Having kind of the important focus on mental health and letting people realize and kind of talk about that, you know, you're not the only one dealing with it is super important, especially now with COVID, everybody staying inside and having thinking to themselves, at least this past year, a lot more. It's, it's super important to kind of talk about and, and help people understand that, we all deal with a lot of different stuff and it's important to, you know, give credit to the people that do deal with it because there's a lot of us that deal with this kind of stuff. 
Yes, indeed. It, it's, it's a lot more than what's talked about. And, um, you know, and it's more intense. And, and I'll tell you that when I was off of work in 2018, um, it took me off of work as because it became more and more difficult for me to maintain. I went from working on the floor to working in an office setting as a nurse. Um, I was doing dialysis training. So I took a major pay cut and went to work at that place, but it was much more easier for me than physical labor. But after a while, the sitting became an issue. Well, um, yeah, you got a you got spine and neck issues. Sitting yeah. in a chair all day is definitely not great for your <laughs> spine or neck. <laughs> not at all. And so standing was the issue. Sitting was the issue. Um, what in the heck could I do? So the doctor said, well, let's rest. And so he took me off of work for a little while. So I thought, but I haven't been back yet. Um, and so during that time off, I kind of went through a depressed state because I, you know, you have too like, much time, too much time, too much time, but too my much life time for changed. your mind to wander. <laughs> yes, that's right. And and way too much. And I went into a really bad depressed state. And that's what happens with a lot of people with chronic illnesses or chronic pain is because they start ruminating on the illness and that they magnify that above everything else. And now it looks bigger than really what it is. And it was for me, it looked way bigger than, I mean, it's big, but I made it everything. I made it all day, every day of my life, and it really put me in a really bad place. But then I had a friend um, because I am a believer in my higher power is God. And so I was still involved in some of the activities with um, fellowshipping with my with fellow believers. So I had a sister friend of mine who came to me and said, um, that, hey, there's a certification program I want to tell you about. And, um, and I want you to try it out. Tell me what you think. It's a free class. And then if you want to join, you can. And I went to the certification program on the first night. My coach at that time was talking about healing from childhood trauma. And, you know, I, I did, I listened to her and I, then I really realized, wow, I did go through a lot of childhood trauma. Maybe I'll join this course. And so I did. And I joined the course thinking, hey, well, maybe I'll have to change my career too and I'll just be a life coach. That was really my second thought. My first thought was, hey, maybe I need healing. The second thought was, hey, I need money. You know what I'm saying? Let me use this time to get another certification or something. But really the whole process really was for me first. I learned so many things about how to take care of my mind in the process oh, of going through Mm -hmm. so important <laughs> wherever your mind goes your body follows so yes you've got to take care of that mind you know so one of kind of the ideas that I came up with when I created this podcast and one of the, the things that I kind of focused on is there's a lot of thought around kind of why you do things you know a podcast that's built for the community and eventually by the community with everybody that's coming on and interviewing and, and sharing their you know stories. You get to thinking about, okay, what gets you to the point of wanting to share? And what's the purpose behind it? Especially if you know you believe in a higher power, 
what's the kind of purpose of everything? And I came to a specific point and I call it, I refer to it as the three P's. Pain puts things into perspective. With that perspective, it can give us a purpose, which is really important because you look at a lot of the people that do things um, within our communities. And, you know, even, even myself, I can say that as bad as colitis has been, and as much as I've gone through, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am today as far as helping other people and trying to spread awareness without that pain and that discomfort to kind of push me towards it. Because absolutely. It, really, it absolutely puts things into perspective. What I used to complain about before I had colitis seems like the dumbest possible things compared to like the level that you deal with when you have a chronic illness or chronic pain. Everything small, everything stupid gets just, it just disappears. It's like it doesn't even exist because when you're in that level of pain, when you're flaring up, when you're having a really bad day, a normal day with a mild amount of pain is like relief. It's great. It's great. Yeah. It's the day you're waiting on like, oh my goodness, I hope tomorrow's a good day because I've got laundry. Oh, I haven't, I haven't cleaned up the, the dishes in the kitchen. Oh, the bathroom needs to be done. Oh, you know, you have all these things that need to be done. And you, you, you look forward to the things that normal people complain about. Yes. Yeah. Because you have the energy to do those things. Like, and, and without that kind of pain, that illness that you're dealing with, you would never look at things that way. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't appreciate the days where you have the energy to get chores done because you're like, oh, thank God my colitis is calming down. I thank God I have the energy to do it. it. It puts things in a totally different perspective where, you know, the average person is like, oh my God, I got to do chores today. Like, hey, I have the energy to do chores today. This is great. Yes, yes, yes. It, it does change your perspective. It does. And I think once you get to a per certain point, that perspective is like, okay, you know what? This is what I dealt with. This is what I went through. This is kind of what I'm grateful for because of what I've experienced. Now it's time to try to, at least in my case, now it's time to try to help other people not deal with as much or go through less speed bumps, deal with a little bit less pain. Let's help other people suffer a little less. Mm -hmm. I can't fix it. Like we can't fix it. But if we can ease the, ease the pain and ease the struggle along the way in the path that they're going to essentially follow, why not do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and when we talk about chronic illnesses and chronic pain, I'm no scientist, I'm no doctor, you know, or anything of that nature, but from the environment that I've been around, I'm in a couple of chronic pain groups online. Also, I am a life coach. And so I uh, teach, um, other students how to process and go through their healing process I'll tell you something that I really wonder and consider and I'm glad that I can put this out here right here right now is something to think about those of us who've been through or are currently in chronic illnesses and chronic pain how many of us have went through childhood trauma or how many of us have been through trauma even in our adolescent years or even in our adult years when we are not living, dealing with the trauma or acknowledging the trauma, validating the trauma that we have been through in our life, 
it really does affect our nervous system. When our nervous system is affected, I mean, that's the whole system of us. The, they, we hear the heart and we hear people talk about how important the heart is, but the, the heart can't pump without the nervous system sending the signal. So in my opinion, the nervous system wins. It is the most powerful system we have in our body. And when it has dysfunction from childhood, which you can look up some of these things in, in, the, uh, in, the, in, in the scientific evidence proven psychologytoday.com but there's something called the formative years that is the years when the brain is forming from the time that it's since the, the the fetus is born uh, conceived up until the time the child is about 10 to 12 years old and then think about this for a second because when we look at chronic pain one of the things I hear the doctors talking about right now is hey, let's give antidepressants. That's the answer. And you know, the first thing oh, we're God. saying is don't, this is the answer that this is what they're oh. saying. And I'm like, <clears throat> don't give me antidepressants. I've tried serotonin, it makes me sick to my stomach. I don't know what else to tell you all, but listen, I do understand something about all of that. That is this. What they're saying is there's a chemical imbalance in us. They can't prove it because there's no way to to actually test serotonin or norepinephrine or acetylcholine in our brain. There's no way to do that yet. However, they can tell by some of the same symptoms and signs that we show that there's some type of imbalance there. Maybe if we just figure it out, let's put them on this for a little while, see if it works. If it is, then we know that's what it was. That's kind of what they're doing, practicing medicine. However, let me get back to why I can understand why they're doing that now. Because in the formative years of a child is when the child's brain is being developed. If that child is in trauma, let's say the child is in, 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 is a fetus and the mother is being abused. The child is living through trauma, which is causing the nervous system to what? Go into fight or flight, freeze mode, right? And so now the chemicals are starting to be imbalanced inside of the body, which if the child continues to live through this, from, from being in, in utero all the way up until the child's 12 years old, they're going to have what? A chemical imbalance. If the balances are, are, in our, and even if they go through it five times or 10 times, I mean, a child going through trauma is traumatic to that child. If I go through trauma right now, if I go through a relationship with someone, a breakup, that's traumatic for me. You know what I mean? Like I put my heart into this person and they left me. So, you know, it I mean, you know what I'm saying? It becomes a trauma. It's some sort of trauma. And if we don't work through it, you know, validate it, take care of ourselves and process that, man, it really gets caught up into our system. And you can read this, the great book by Pete Walker called The Body Keeps the Score. And there is something called muscle memory, where our muscles start to remember the abuse we received, whether it was verbal, uh, physical, sexual, <clears throat> and our body starts to let off these different um, um, way, way more norepinephrine that we need or way more serotonin or not enough, whatever the imbalance is and it causes a response in the nervous system. Whenever the nervous system is imbalanced and the whole body wants homeostasis, we got a problem. And so that is my theory on it. And I can kind of see from the classes that I took how, you know, I've been diagnosed with PTSD from my childhood trauma and anxiety and, 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 and depression, right? So I can see how all of those things could cause an imbalance in my 
nervous system, if my nervous system isn't balanced appropriately, how can it care for my body appropriately? Somebody gonna take a hit somewhere. So and your body, your body doesn't let your body take the hit. Your body does a pretty good job at self-preserving. So. It tries. It, <clears throat> yeah, tries. it tries. So yeah. it, so guess who gets the hit? The mind. Yep. The rest of it. <laughs> <clears throat> and on, on, on top of that, too, I think outside of the childhood trauma, I think <clears throat> personally, chronic illnesses in themselves can be, you know, tra- traumatic enough and have a big enough of an impact on your life that they can even cause issues. I mean, it's funny because I was talking about it. Uh, one of the interviews I did earlier, um, even sleep patterns. So since I've had colitis, I haven't really slept more than like five hours a night. I average like four to five. Um, and it has to do with the first couple of years during colitis. I was sleeping two to three hours a night because I was in the bathroom so much from my colitis. And it comes back to that muscle memory. My body got used to no sleep. So now that my body's in a, in a place where it's okay, it still doesn't want to sleep a ton because compared to the two to three hours I was getting five and a half is amazing is it what I need no I would prefer to have like seven to eight but it comes back to that that muscle memory that you were talking about um and and mental health is super important on so many levels so many it is it is on so many levels and also you know taking um going back in and here's the other thing like from the from the herniated disc and I got sciatica I had sciatica going down the right side first um with the first accident and then after the car accident I got sciatica going down the left side and then I started noticing problems with my feet and I remember going to the doctor saying to them something's going on with my foot like it will cramp up and get stuck in a position and I can't move it and all I, I have to literally take my hand to work it loose I'm like that doesn't sound like you know that's normal and I took in a video of it to show the doctor what happens when it happens and he was like, I really don't know what that is. I, I can't relay. I, I don't know. And I'm thinking, you're a doctor. What do you mean you don't know? Well, I, I kept telling him. Then I started falling. I started, you know, where my, my, I would go to take certain, you know, steps. And sometimes I would go to take the step, but my foot didn't make the move. And so I would trip or I would slip. And, and I was able to catch myself many a times, but then I fell. And when I went to him, I'm like, something's wrong. I'm 45 years old um, or 44 at the time. There's no reason for me to be falling like or tripping or slipping or anything. What is going on? I'm like, it's something. He said, well, maybe we need to send you to a neurologist. I said, okay, I agree. Well, the neurologist, well, so I went to my, and that was the orthopedic specialist. So I went to my primary care provider. See, one thing I want to say for anybody that's listening and I say this with my true heart, don't ever give up advocating for yourself. Like always be your best advocator. Always take notes on your visits, you know, cause we can't remember all this stuff. We can't remember names. When you talk to people, take names, they're taking notes and names. So it's good to do that for you. So um, I never gave up because I knew something was wrong. So I went to my primary care provider and said, look, hey, I've been having some issues. I've been kind of slipping and falling. And I've been, I told her my issue. She said, well, let me see you to a podiatrist. So she sent me to the podiatrist and the podiatrist said that he thought I had um, 
and nerve entrapment in my foot and I would need surgery. So he sent me off to get an EMG done, which is a nerve conduction test. They found out then that I had polyneuropathy, that several nerves in both of my feet were damaged. And so I, I deal with that as well. And one thing about nerve pain is that uh, there's not very many things that work for it, you know? <laughs> Um, so I also suffer from nerve pain, but I've learned to be very gentle with myself. This is how I, I, I live in this because it's bad some days. Some days it's horrible. Some days I, I can't get out the bed. Some days I can't get off the couch. Some days I want to cook and I, and I, and I can't, and, you know, and it's got better now because I actually have some support here. I live with my boyfriend and if I, I won't, I don't have to struggle with those things I did before, like did before when I was going through this last year and I would have these bouts of just excruciating pain. You know, I would not eat because who's going to cook for me? You know, who's going to make sure I have something? So I would just have to just sacrifice, drink a lot of water because it was more painful for me to get up and go in there and cook me something to eat. Even getting a sometimes walking to the refrigerator seemed like a task and it's only 20 steps you know um so i'm i went and i found that out as well i also have a history history of sarcoidosis i have some interstitial cystitis um but when i look at all of the things that they diagnosed me with they are connected to the nerves in some way um, and so I just really come to the conclusion that from the trauma that I've been through as a child, my nervous system is shot. But here's the great thing about the nervous system that I've studied and learned, and that is we can reprogram it. It's a system. So over a period of time, we could treat our mind and teach our mind and teach our body how to respond. And that's what I work on doing, being mindful, like saying positive things, you know, like, for example, if somebody oh, calls oh. me, I'm sorry, if somebody good. calls me, I hope you're, you're good. Oh, okay. If somebody I'm, I'm going to add me, something in a minute. <laughs> okay. It'll be real quick. If somebody calls me and asks me, you know, if I want to go somewhere, the first thing I like go to the movies, for instance, and then the instant thought is you can't go to the movies. How are you going to sit there through that movie? How are you going to, you, you, you've never been able to sit through the movies. And, and this, I mean, all these negative ruminating thoughts. And what I had to learn to do was separate what was true, what was from fault, what was false. Because the word never is a lie. I've, it's, that's a lie. I have been able to sit in movies before. Yes, now it's more difficult. I have to take a couple of breaks or stand up or sit in the back so I can stand up and I'm not in the way. I have to do all these other things sometimes to enjoy a movie, but it's not impossible. And so when those thoughts come to make me believe that it's impossible, no, I have to be, I have to make some adjustments that I don't want to have to make. But if I want to go to the movies, then I make those adjustments for myself, you know, so but I, I try to deal with the lies and not just accept them. And I replace them like, it's not true. I can go to the movies or I don't know what Thursday's gonna look like. Thursday might be a great day. You know, here I am already on Tuesday thinking Thursday's gonna be the worst day and I won't be able to go. So I work on mindfulness and being present. Like, you know, we don't know what Thursday's gonna look like. So how about we tell my friend, well, you know what, Nancy, I gotta really see what Thursday looks like. I can't promise you that, 
you know, I will be able to go. But if I can, I would love to be there with you, you know, and I don't feel guilty for it, you know, because it's, it's called taking care of myself. And I had to learn how to do that. I think of that. Um, mindfulness is a really big thing. Um, and it plays a massive role when it comes to mental health and kind of how you view things and keeping a positive attitude. And one thing that I do personally is I start and end my day exactly the same way every single day. First thing I do when I wake up, I give thanks for the things that I have. The last thing I do before I lay down in bed is give thanks for the things I have. Keeping yourself in a mindful or a grateful mindset, even for the small things, even for the things that a lot of people take for granted, because yeah, it keeps you I focused know. on the things that you have no matter how small they are, they're still important. And the reason I kind of focus on this and why I think it's so important is because our lives are so different from a normal person. Our goals are different. What we deal with is different. And I say that because we have to look at things differently. And I talked about this a little bit when I did my like 10 rules for living with chronic illness. One of them was set goals that work for you. We deal with so many different things on so many different levels. Our goals need to reflect our life. Everything, you know, everybody's got these flashy cars on social media, the perfect husband or wife, the big house, all these things. And we have to remember that we have kind of a different thing and, and what is important to us is based on what we have. When you have colitis or chronic pain, a goal can be to just not have to deal with pain or not be in a hospital for such a long, they're small things. They don't have to be like these, make a million dollars, buy a house, have a crazy family. Everything's different. And I think an important part of realizing that and setting goals that are reflective of you and what you're dealing with is being grateful for the things that you have, no matter how big or small they are. So I think it's very important to kind of have that mindset and make sure that you don't overlook the things that you do have. Because a lot of the times, you know, you can focus on all the things that our diseases have taken away from us. Well, at the end of the day, we still have to be thankful for the, few, for the things that we have left over. Um, and keeping that mindset and being grateful, I find personally helps me set goals that kind of push towards, at least with this podcast, helping other people and then kind of growing the community, um, as well as reminding people within the community that, you know, the value that they have. And that's important because I think a lot of times we forget that we are valued. You oh, know? We carry, like, at the end of the day, no matter how much you've been through, there's value behind it. And I was kind of thinking about this because when it comes to, you know, work life, um, financial life, goals I want to work on, things I want to work on. I do, I do photography on the side. It's kind of a hobby. Um, I enjoy nature photography. I do a lot of nature photography. It's, it's a really good, like, kind of stress relief for me. It's super relaxing, lets me view things differently and kind of focus on things differently. I could right now be focusing on photography professionally. I could be making probably a decent amount of money at it because I'm pretty good at it. Even if I was just doing the editing and not a ton of photography, you get into like automotive, wedding photography. And 
was thinking about it, kind of focused on it. And as fun as it would be and as cool it was as it would be for me, it didn't check off like kind of helping other people and, and focusing on helping other people. So I was thinking about, okay, what else can I do? I know I wanted to kind of like, I've, I've been in the colitis groups and some of the chronic groups for a while. And I've been responding to people kind of giving advice and helping with things and talking to people and be like, okay, you know what? I want to make a bigger impact. I want something that people can put on repeat and replay if they want to. I want people, you know, things that people can go back on and look as how it's progressed. And I was like, well, what do I bring to the table? I wanted to do a podcast or YouTube channel. What do I bring to the table and what can I kind of provide? We deal with so much and we experience so much and that carries a lot of knowledge with it. It carries a lot of knowledge of how we handled it. It carries a lot of knowledge of things that we would do differently. And the way I kind of look at it, and I don't know if everybody necessarily agrees with it. I think part of our purpose being here, it comes back to the pain purpose perspective aspect, is we're supposed to do a certain amount of good, I think. We're supposed to help people a certain amount. We're supposed to do a certain amount of things for other people. And I'm going to be honest, like do, doing these podcasts, I've only been interviewing people for like four or five days, uh, maybe maybe a week now, and not making any money on it. I mean, that's not the goal of it. And at the end of the day, like when, when I'm done recording and talking to people, I'm not a super social person. I'm more of an introvert, like as much as this has been outside of my comfort zone, especially the first like 10 episodes, because I was literally just talking about myself, not interviewing people, which was crazy, scary at first, especially some of the topics. <clears throat> but helping people at the end of the day, like it feels great. When I got as many responses as I did on these posts about interviewing people, I freaked out. I'm like, how in the world am I going to interview all these people? Like, this is crazy. I don't socialize this much. I'm not a social person. And it felt really good. Even though it was kind of outside the comfort zone, it felt really good because it was really cool to hear what everybody's dealing with. It's been really cool to learn. And I've only just started doing it. And it's been really cool to kind of feel like that. Oh, okay, cool. This is going towards the community. Other people are going to listen to this. Like I'm feeling great listening to just talking to the person, let alone when other people are listening to both sides of it. <clears throat> so I think it's super important to kind of focus on helping other people and kind of focused on that aspect of it. Absolutely. Um, that's what that's what I decided to, you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, when you asked um, if there was anybody who would be interested in being interviewed is there's so much to say about it. And there's not even like a one hour podcast that can touch it, you know, but <laughs> or probably even a 10 month podcast that can touch it because each of us individually have our own story of how this affects our life. You know, I see where people who struggle with chronic illnesses and chronic pain, their spouses have left them. You know, they're, 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 there's nobody there. They're, they're all by themselves and they're struggling with these things all alone. And there's really not a lot of support or a lot of help. So 
one of the things that does help is just hearing that they're not alone, that there is somebody else there that still struggles with these things. Like no matter how smart, what the degree is or the level of income, that none of that matters. Chronic pain is not connected to a race or a certain status of people. It's, it's anybody, chronic illness. illnesses can happen. Mm-hmm. illness disease and pain does not discriminate it right hits everybody yeah and and, yeah. and i feel like not enough people understand that it affects everybody and it will affect everybody at some point in your life whether it's yourself mm-hmm. or a loved one or somebody that you know somebody you know or yourself will be affected by some sort of like chronic illness disability pain at some point in their life yeah, it is true. And right now, how it's really affecting me in my life is that um, I'm in um, Illinois. And so, um, you know, they're really strict with their pain contracts. And um, the pain medication they were giving me, um, I, I don't know that it was helping for pain as much anymore as it used to because you know, I had been taking it for a while. And so they were like, well, we're going to decrease you and wean you. Like, like that is our goal is to wean you off of that we think that you'll feel much better. And I'm thinking, how in the world is that when I'm struggling with pain every day? You know, how am I going to feel better by this? So, you know, long story to the point, um, they gave me, you know, an option to like, increase their take go through their weaning program to wean me from the narcotic that I was taking which is a low dose it's not even a really a high dose but um it still helps with pain so I decided first I was really against it I felt judged I felt you know all kind of things went through my mind like what am I going to do for this pain I don't want to feel this every day I don't want to go through this every day at least the medicine numbs it somewhat or helps me sleep a little or whatever that it does so that I don't have to feel this excruciating pain. And then they sent me to a rheumatologist and the rheumatologist told me that if I got off of the medicine, I would feel better because what he told me is what happens over a period of time with the nervous system again, is that it sends signals back and forth throughout your body about pain. But if if you're taking narcotics, which is blocking the pain receptors, what happens over a period of time is that it turns up the pain intensity because the nervous system thinks you can't feel the pain. So now you're having pain, but it's at a higher intensity um, because the message is trying to get to you that there's pain there. Mm-hmm. And so then you over a period of time, you need more pain medicine. And then it's a, it's a cycle. So then it turns up a little bit more over a period of time. And he was like, so if you stop taking them so much or at least every not take them every day take them as least possible um you'll feel better so after he said that and this was like the fifth doctor that told me that coming off of the pain medicine was my answer i decided to try it out of um out of curiosity does your state allow medicinal marijuana for pain at all yes yes they do so that is what i went to i uh uh-huh they chose they gave me a decision to choose the medicinal marijuana or to you know go to the weaning program um and I said 
well, I'll do the medicinal marijuana because I had already used a few times and it does help with the neuropathy. That was the only thing that I've tried. They put me on Cymbalta, Yabapentin, um, all Lyrica, and they all had side effects or they didn't work, but the THC does help with the neuropathy. So it's been so, helping a lot. Has it been covering mm-hmm. like a lot of it or is it just kind of helping lower the pain down? It's, it's, um, hmm. on some days, I think it helps a lot. It went, but still like it's been raining today. So I'm kind of achy. And mm-hmm. I know I don't sound, that's another thing we're just by how we look and how we sound. If you look at my picture and you hear my voice, you would say, oh, she's, a, she's whatever your, your decision of what you view me as, but what it isn't that you can't hear and see is the pain that I feel. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Even now talking, I'm in pain. So uh, I'll say that what has happened is that the pain has gotten better. Um, Something has happened, I'll agree. I've been detoxed from the hydrocodone. It was really, and I don't advise anybody to do this without the assistance of a doctor, but I told my doctor that I was going to do it on my own and I asked her to assist me and she did. And so what I did was I made a decision. I was taking two hydrocodone a day and I went down to one. I did that for like a week and a half. And then I went down to a half of one for two days. And after that, I didn't even need it. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I always remember was I don't take pain medicine unless the pain is above a level I can't tolerate it. You see what I mean? That was always my rule. So what happened was, honestly, the doctor was right. Coming off of the hydrocodone gave me a much clearer mind. It gave me a much, so the pain is there, but I'll be honest with you, the intensity is different. And the THC helps with that too. You know what I mean? So if the pain is real bad. That's a big thing too, because as much as some people hate like the idea of medicinal marijuana based on their beliefs and stuff, Mm -hmm. it is. 100% 100% natural. That's there's, right. no, there's no addictive like dependencies on it. It's 100% natural. There's no chemicals. It's not this essentially chemical that you're putting in your body, mm-hmm. which is what most medication is, especially the heavy duty ones. And it's not something that requ- uh, that you can, you, know, you, I guess, grow an addiction to, which mm-hmm. is super, super important because some of those other medic, uh, well, I guess painkillers, the heavy duty ones can be really, really addictive and really bad for you long term, let alone the side effects that they can have on top of it. So. Absolutely. And that was the part that um, I don't think that um, I understood, but I understand now, you know, I still have some pains. I, I use a TENS unit. I use heating pad. I use soap therapy. I use meditation. You know, um, I use magnesium oil. Um, that's a nice thing to rub in and use that. Um, um, I, I've tried acupuncture and that's really good, but it's so expensive. I'm in water therapy right now and that's amazing. Um, stretching is important. Water is important. Um, fruits and vegetables are important. I too have a sugar addiction. Oh, and what, so bad it's it. horrible 
oh, mine's is terrible. Like it's it's horrible. I mean, but I where mine stem from is when I was growing up again, childhood trauma. Both my parents were alcoholics, and there was times they would get drunk and they wouldn't feed us, so we ate candy. You know what I'm saying to survive. And when I get really stressed out or anxious or I'm or something or sometimes it don't even take everything can be good. I'll just eat, 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 sleep like back to back to back to back to back to sit there and eat, you know, candy, you know, um, and it soothes me. But I, you know, I know it's not good for me and I'm working on a little bit of things at a time to better myself. And I don't push myself I'm honest with myself and I'm open with myself about my struggles and I do what I can a little at a time so you know some days I'll do good and say no we're not gonna do sweets today we're we're just gonna do vegetables instead and I do okay and some days I'll say it and I eat every sweet in sight oh boy yeah I have those days too (laughs) (laughs) oh god you go to the store and go to the candy aisle and it is just disaster on waiting to happen it's like oh, i want yeah. this i want that yep yeah and i know i know it's terrible but you know um Look. thank you so much for for having me here to today and being i hope i've shared something that has Absolutely. been beneficial i appreciate you coming someone. on and talking too yeah yeah and um, i am um a life coach and i do help people work and process through some of their things that they kind of struggle with and it is beneficial and I really encourage people to have some type of a talk therapy or support therapy therapist or psychiatrist psychologist life coach somebody because we gotta have a safe place to be able to talk and that helps so much with pain and chronic illnesses and diseases is to even be able to talk about it so thank you for having this podcast a place that we can talk about you're welcome. And thank you for coming on and sharing. No problem. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to the podcast. I appreciate everyone. Make sure you guys stop and check out chronicliving.info. Got a new website up and running that's going to be the main area to find all the social media content as well as accounts. So make sure you guys stop by if anyone's looking to share their story, volunteer, either time or experience. There's also going to be some links on there of how you guys can get involved. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you in the next one.